Wait a second, hold on. Walker Zimmerman has launched his own podcast called The Locker Room. Dan, yeah. do, you, Dan do you have a podcast? Um, uh, nah, nah, <laughs> nah. Once again, and welcome to episode 11 of Third Degree of the Podcast. Hi, I'm Peter, and joining us today, the normal trio of uh, most excellent human beings, all the way from someplace I don't actually know, is Dan Crook. Not Crook-E, but Crook with an E. Hello, Dan. Come in, Dan. Hello, I'm not currently coming to you from Luton, Bedfordshire. How excited about promotion are you for Luton Town? Are you... uh, I'm thrilled. Can't you hear it in my voice? That's about as excited as I've ever known you ever in my life. Uh, so that's a, on, a, on a Dan scale of excitement, that's certainly you know pegging an eight, eight and a half, I think. I always aim to please. All right. And of course, uh, the one, the only, Buzz Carrick, uh, founder and editor of ThirdDegree.net and from the Dallas Morning News. Come in, Buzz. Hello, fellas. I'm calling in from uh, Amsterdam, where I'm completing the transfer of Paxton Pomacall to Ajax. <laughs> oh, that's happened already? It only <laughs> really just the yeah. same day? This this whole thing starts? The hype machine starts? Yep. And uh, the deal right now. you're the actual transaction guy. Good. Yep. Well, congratulations. Yep. I hope you get an agent fee. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Pomacall's new agent. 10%. I'm in. <laughs> well, congratulations <laughs> on negotiating that uh, deal so quickly. That's uh, yep. I, I wish all soccer transactions went as, as fast as that. All uh, right. So, another window's closed. We're doing the deal. All right. Well, uh, hurry up and get on uh, Thomas Roberts to uh, Germany. Uh, yeah. So we can just sell them all. So let's start there, and uh, because I, I, you know, we'll start with the LA game because I believe that's where the Paxton Pommy Call hype train started, uh, as he got the start over Jacory Hayes due to injury, and Dallas goes on to win over an absolutely terrible LA Galaxy team, which makes me wonder how much we should uh, uh, dial back the excitement level. Uh, two to nothing on Saturday. Uh, Buzz, is everybody's excitement level justified uh, from the performance? Paxton specifically or FC Dallas collectively? I, I think those are two very different um, conversations, yeah. so let's start with the team in general and we'll drill down to Paxton uh, later sure. on. Sure, the team collectively... Uh, I think you have to be pretty happy with the performance. Um, uh, we wrote, I wrote early in the week about how collectively great the three midfielders were together. They were fantastic. Every single one of them played at a really, really high level. Um, the front line, maybe still a work in progress. We got to get Baji running a higher line. He's checking back too much. Although Michael Barris is doing a nice job of recognizing that play and getting in behind him. I mean, how many times you see that happen? Should tell you how many times Baji checked back. Um, Mascaro is a little bit in and out of the game. I mean, as as a collective front line, you'd like to see more than twelve shots at home when you dominate with a sixty-four percent possession. Uh, twelve is not enough. Four on goal is not terrible out of twelve, but you want to see that at more like twenty. I think. So that, that needs a little work. Final third needs a little work. Uh, and then the defense was okay, but there were also a couple of mo- moments where they let 
uh, LA get a little something going and counter a little letdowns, you know, where LA was able to hit the crossbar or get a not, they didn't have a lot of great scoring of chances, but they were all mostly a little further out, but, um, you know, just some letdowns some little bit of moments of not intent, not the intensity you want to see. So, uh, overall a pretty good performance. One you have to be pretty happy about, but as we talked about this LA team is not very good. Not right now. They're missing too many pieces. The back line is they're trying to rebuild it. It's still not great. So, um, between new England and, and LA, you've played two of the not so great teams right now in the league. So, uh, we want to tap the brakes a little bit on our excitement early in the season. Dan, I'm counting on you to come uh, to us with a fresh, interesting perspective on the 2-0 win. So give it to me. think everything that Buzz just said. Um, so come to Buzz's point of, uh, you know, LA getting a couple of attacks away. Um, you know, last, last week we didn't see the Ryan Hollingshead uh, dilemma, I guess you'd call it. Uh, weighing up his attacking strengths for his defensive frailties. And I think, you know, against LA, you kind of saw both sides of that. He was getting forward at the same time in the first half. You know, there was a lot coming down that side of the field. Uh, Felcher had the the shot on the crossbar. That's going to be Holland's head uh, marking him. Uh, who had the shot? Was it Legit had that little chipped shot? It should have been called a foul on... Uh, for a foul uh, that was again um, committed on Reto Ziegler, but the ref let it go. Uh, you know, again, that that's where you expect Tollins' head to be. You don't expect uh, Ziegler to be stepping that far outside to cover. So, are you giving a what a, a poor grade to Ryan's performance, or a? It was more what we used to. Um, it definitely brings in, you know, and as Buzz alluded to in his breakdown, you know, the the battle at left backs on. Uh, we've seen Pedrosa come back, we've seen him play, you know, step in and play all right, uh, particularly if if Cannon is injured. Um, you know, you can expect to see Holland's head slide over. If not, well, you've got two good options who give uh, very different sides to their game. Yeah, Pedroso and uh, Hollingshead are very, very different players, and I thought Hollingshead played better in Game 2 than in Game 1 uh, and certainly showed his um, uh, utility uh, level and usefulness uh, by switching over when Reggie got hurt. So uh, do we have uh, any word so far as to what Reggie's status is for Saturday? Uh, I checked around a little bit, but other than the um, early report from John Arnold on the uh, showed up on our blog on the morning news, it's not part of our blog, but it shows up there. Of uh, it's going to be in day to day with Reggie, and today he popped up on the MLS injury report under the questionable, which of course is day to day. So, uh, you know, there, it's not bad enough that he's out. So that's a really positive sign. Um, if I had to guess, I'd be conservative and not play him this week just because if you put him in and then it's not good, then you got to burn a sub. So I'm expecting him to not play, but that's just based on the idea that he's day to day and the idea that you may, might not want to do something risky on the road against a relatively decent team in Columbus. Yeah, we'll get to Columbus in a second, but the injury to Cannon did highlight a concern that we had at the beginning of the season, which was the, the, the bit of lack of depth at right back in particular, are we comfortable with Ryan Hollinghead playing that position um, for, you know, let's say Reggie's injury is worse than we think, and it's a, a real, you know, a grade two ankle sprain, and he's out four to six weeks. 
Well, I certainly think Lucci is. Um, he mentioned that to me in discussing Ryan in the preseason. We were discussing Ryan versus Pedroso, Pedroso and how in the long run, potentially, your guy Pedroso would, would be a pretty good player at that left-back spot. And and Lucci said, without giving anything away, said, well, if that were to happen, Ryan can also play right-back, so that gives us great cover. So in his mind, Ryan is perfectly acceptable on both wings. And the interesting question will be if Ryan does have to play over there, that'll give Pedroso a, a whole game and a good leg and a good position. And it, it might be hard to get him out at that point. Um, I, I'll, I, I'll give this question to either one of you. Uh, am I wrong? Again, this was another game I had to watch on television, uh, which obviously limits my ability to really analyze it very well. But my sense was is I was a little concerned that I thought I saw Santiago Mascara and Paxton running into each other uh, several times uh, deep in kind of middle of the in the middle third of the field when I really feel like what I should be seeing is Santiago uh, out wide and high left or high right whatever side he's playing on at that moment and I just I got the sense that Santiago isn't doing that enough and I'm wondering is that by design or is that by his fr- showing his frustration that he's not getting enough of the ball well I think um from the right, from the left wing, that Mascara is coming in too much. I mean, I, after you and I talked about that, I went and looked at his charts, and he's definitely playing sort of all across the front, and definitely playing into the middle more than he should. You know, he needs to set up left more. Um, but some of that too is Paxton's uh, very aggressive about uh, his movements too. You know, he he can play wing, so he likes to go out there as well. You know, and with the other two guys being slightly more defensive minded, Paxton is on basically walkabout. You know, he ends up all over the place. So you're going to get some of that when you have two guys that are trying to figure each other out. And I'm sure that they worked on that in training or at least in the tape room. I'm I'm sure Lucci would have covered that with those guys. So I I don't think that's anything more than uh, early in the season, early in this grouping with Paxton having now changed. Uh, from Haynes, you know, trying to find out where everybody is. I mean, you do want those guys popping into the middle, into that hole, but uh, just not camping out in there, you know, as much as 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 Mascara has been, which is too much. I think uh, you've also got uh, an issue where, you know, Lucci had said without a, a true 10, uh, Mascara was kind of like the de facto playmaker. Uh, if the ball's not coming that way, you know, down the left, the playmaker is going to kind of gravitate towards the ball, and uh, also that that four three three is kind of a little more compact. It, it you know it does play a little more narrow, uh, so there's probably an adjustment there that uh, Mascara is going to have to try and you know, like Reggie last year. Uh, when do you go? When do you stay? When do you come? You know, how far do you come inside, and when do you kind of get back out? Was anybody else surprised that Arangis was uh, the last sub in the game instead of Cervania or somebody more defensive-minded? Uh, I was surprised, but then I'm, I have a theory about that. My theory is that, that in garbage time, that that sub was an attempt to get Arangis engaged mentally. We talked last week, Dan and I both did, about his body language and practice, you know, and his just sort of going through the motions. So why not throw him on at the end of the game and make him feel like he's part of the team? That was my take sitting in the stands because i was scratching my head just like you were and that's an interesting new haircut he has by the way i noticed that yeah, on the, the tv as the, well the blondie maybe he thinks blonde guys get to play looking at paxton so i'm gonna i'm gonna go blonde 
All right, so uh, since we uh, have talked a little bit about it, man, Paxton really did put on the performance uh, that so many of us have been wanting. He appears to be the midfielder who's not afraid to grab the ball and start going at defenders. Uh, he's so uh, fleet of foot and and got a high skill. Uh, it was such a nice performance, and obviously um, uh, his effort and part in the goal, uh, which should arguably be goal of the week uh, uh, from uh, Brian Acosta, what an what an absolutely perfect uh, skill level and skill uh, level of skill to hit the ball in the manner that he did. But it it really doesn't start unless Pax, Paxton's putting in his effort and doing his thing. And then of course that today resulted in the uh, much discussed article in Marsa, which is uh, you know the Spanish newspaper uh, football magazine uh, newspaper, where Alberto Rubio uh, goes on in an absolutely uh, unbelievable uh, lengths to praise uh, Paxton Palmicall, who he uh, makes a comparison to Frankie de Jong, the uh, Ajax player who has uh, cut a deal to go to Barcelona. He literally calls him a twin, uh, and obviously he's not, uh, but makes comparisons into skill levels and why they, tr- you know, how they carry the ball with each other. Uh, and he just goes on and on praising, which spun up an immediate amount of uh, hype on Paxton today. Um, yeah. And, you know, as we tweeted, you can really, you know, your mileage may vary into the accuracy of his praise and, and how much of this is just uh, him being a little overexcited and how legitimate it is. But, man, that certainly is the type of article that starts a serious hype machine on a young player on a global level. Well, we already talked this spring about how we thought the team was thrusting him, FC Dallas was thrusting him out into the limelight maybe a little too early and putting all this pressure on him, you know, and then he didn't start opening day. Um, look, you and I have been talking about Paxton since he was 15. There's no doubt that the kid's talented. I don't quite think that he's running IX talented, but I think he's certainly quite talented. And and this performance that we saw from him is 100% prototypical, the exact performance that you would have seen from Paxton in any game you watched him play, whether it be the Dallas Cup, whether it be in the Academy playoffs, whatever it would be. This is exactly what you get, an exceedingly high engine, exceedingly high work rate, tons and tons of range, covering the whole middle part of the field, plays defense. We've seen him play as a six. We've seen him play as an eight, a ten, wings. You know, the guy can do anything in the midfield. So we certainly love this kid as a player, but I I think people are getting ahead of themselves. It is just one game now that he's started in Major League Soccer. It's exciting but as we just talked about, L.A. is not the greatest team in the world, and in particular, their defense isn't great. So as much as we, I want to be hyped about Paxton, and much as I think hometown fans should be excited to watch him grow into this team and grow, hopefully, as a starter, and like, what could he do in a year, two years, three years down the road as he takes over this team? I think this will become his team. I just, I'm just not, I think this idea that like, let's sell him to Ajax for $10 million is just absurd. You know, it's like, it, it, it is one game, slow down, <laughs> love watching him play day to day for this team. And let's be excited about that. That's exciting. Can I be the wet blanket? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I expect okay, nothing uh, less. <laughs> so first, um, the assist, uh, 99 times out of 100, that ball is played by another player onto the penalty spot. And Barrios doesn't win a header; it gets swatted away. No one thinks anything more of it. The fact that Acosta, uh, the fact that uh, Paxton had the wherewithal to 
look over his shoulder and pick out Acosta's run from you know pretty deep when you're in that position. Um, Untracked, mind you. Someone should be tracking him against a better team. Well, that too. Even, even so, just just the fact that he was able, you know, look and and recognize that run, and then play that pass, you know, from close to the byline. Um, you know that that should be applauded. That you know the assist was honestly as as good as as the goal itself. Um, the wet blanket part is Marker is, you know, it's it's a really low level tabloid. It's Real Madrid propaganda, uh, and unfortunately, one of the things they do is they hype up young players to get Real Madrid fans excited when if, when things are going wrong, which you know they have been going wrong lately, and um, especially after the Vinicius Junior uh, transfer kind of bombed. You know the 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 big thing right now in Europe is oh look we can get cheap players from America, uh, so kind of picking that hype out that there's there may not be a ton of depth to it for why they actually wrote about that why they wrote about Paxton in particular, um, you know if an Andrew Carlton or someone has a good game I I kind of expect to see the same thing in the same sort of circumstance. There's really two different conversations at play here. One is uh, the Marca article and how it can, whether for better or worse, right or wrong, start a hype machine. That whether you agree with it or not, that obviously has already happened. But two, to Buzz's point, is uh, article or no article, there already was a bunch of ancillary American soccer media. Uh, hype in the days after the game where people were really falling over themselves uh, to act like they had never, you know, that we that nobody had ever talked about how good Paxton was before and suddenly now, uh, hey, look, Paxton can also play defense. Who knew? <laughs> so... A hundred percent. And, you know, you look at a lot of people say, oh, a, a European publication is suddenly talking about an American player, he must be the the next great thing. It's, you know, it's going to be a natural reaction. Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's, let's be clear that you and that the, all of us have been hyped about Paxton for years. You, I remember you calling him in the Dallas cup, like three years ago, one of the best Americans you've ever seen, young Americans you've ever seen. And I totally agree with that in the sense that like, he's one of the top 10 players to ever come out of this FC Dallas Academy. Like we should be hyped as a FC Dallas followers and fans that this kid is gonna is is on the verge of becoming the guy, at least a, on the verge of becoming a starter, and we hopefully hopefully he's gonna be the guy here. That's exciting. That growth from I've just played my first game to now I'm a constant starter, which is what Reggie just did, and now I'm gonna become the guy that's gonna run the thing. That's exciting. That's what I want to be hyped about because that's you know he was as you mentioned the perfect change next to Acosta and Grezzo, he has that little burst, that little extra something. No offense to Ja'Cory Hayes, but that was missing in the first game, and it really was exciting to see him bring that. Yeah, you, we just don't see a lot of, you know, uh, Diaz may have been the last guy that we ever saw that was willing to grab a ball in midfield and actually, you know, uh, advance it forward into a final third. We just You just yeah. don't see that a lot, especially from an American player. Uh, I also should qualify something. The only reason why I ever became aware early of Pax was because of my co-host on the kick around Andy Swift who's also the executive director of the Dallas Cup who uh, was the chaperone of uh, the uh, uh, all-star team they took to Europe 
um, several years ago, back when Paxton was still, I think, 15 years old, and yeah. Paxton played in an all-star game and was the MVP of the tournament and then got to play on an all-star team with um, Zico was the coach, and he, he scored a bunch of goals in that game. So that's how I became aware of Paxton. But it was because Andy pointed him out to me, and, and then suddenly I started saw him and play in some other games that it just became obvious the guy was several levels above everybody else he was playing with. Uh, yeah, we saw him replicate those performances in the Dallas Cup this last year. Uh, up until he got hurt, you know, he was playing in multiple different positions for the team against Arsenal, against other great uh, Red Bull Brazil, other great teams, and looking like a heck of a competitor. It's he's going to end up in being the guy that we point to as the poster child. Hopefully, not in a super negative way for the missing U23 team that they now have. He really could have used that team the last two seasons to play in. Thankfully. I don't think it's going to affect him a great deal other than it would have been super good for his development. And maybe we would have seen him a little bit quicker into the team. But I mean, right now he's poised to, to, to get a really good run and that that's exciting. Yeah. Well, the, the North Texas soccer club will really benefit somebody like Thomas Roberts, assuming he's here longer uh, past his 18th birthday, uh, yeah. which again, by the way, the countdown clock is on. His birthday is May 11th. I, what I really want to uh, kind of focus on, though, is your point, Buzz, about everybody just needs to tap the brakes a little bit and stop worrying about how quickly and for how much this team can sell Paxton for, and why can't we just enjoy him as the attacking yeah. uh, key element of this club, at least for a little bit of time? Yeah, you know, it, the, this club has talked about, and they literally have said this, that they want to be IX, right? They want to win titles while they sell players. Well, that means you've got to keep some of them. you got to keep them until you can run them in your team for a couple of years. And right before Oscar and his guys left, I was talking to uh, one of those people, and I won't put him on record. I won't say which one it was. But we were, we were watching Paxton play. We were watching Cervania play. And he said to me, boy, this team is going to have a really good midfield in two or three seasons. It is really exciting. You know, and that's the way they were looking at those guys. They're looking at Cervania. They're looking at Paxson. They're looking at Cirillo, looking at Arangis. Like, there is some serious talent coming through the pipe. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch it develop and play here. You know, not everything needs to be about what can I get for them today. You know, I would have preferred to keep Richards here and let him play his way into this team and then sell him. But, you know, that's not sometimes you got to sell them when they're hot, I guess. But uh, hopefully that's not the case with Paxton. Hopefully we get to I mean, I don't want to speak for him. Maybe he wants to go. But I would love to see him develop into the the guy here and run this team and run this franchise for three or four seasons. Dan, I wonder, um, you know, growing up in England, was it common um, or did you find similar attitudes and uh, excitement levels about young players playing for small, lower or non uh, league teams uh, getting attraction from premiership or or, or uh uh, uh, first division teams and everybody willing to sell them on as quickly as possible, or was it similar that way there? Uh, it, it was definitely, um, the premier league actually passed, uh, kind of forced the FA to pass a, a rule that basically said they could cherry pick, uh, anyone outside the premier league's best young players. Uh, so it doesn't really happen as much now, but I mean, that's how Luton town made, you know, have stayed in business. Crew Alexandra. Um, a more recent example would be uh, from Crew would have been uh, Nick Powell, and he was signed by United. Or uh, 
you know, when Gareth Bale or Theo Walcott came through Southampton while they were in the championship. It's, it is a very exciting thing, and people do jump on a hype train. Sometimes it pans out like a, like a Bale or, or Rooney or someone like that, and sometimes it goes like Nick Powell. The other uh, point I want to make before we move on to previewing the Columbus game is I don't know if anybody else noticed that that entire sequence with Paxton um, and uh, Acosta actually begins because Baji completely misreads a square ball from the right and overruns a perfectly squared ball at the top of the box, and he overruns it, which Paxton actually has the wherewithal to identify and chase down as it runs past uh, uh, Baji who, again, I uh, I just don't get it, I don't see it, um, and I still am worried that that position is what's going to end up uh, hurting this team long-term over the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, based on the way he's playing right now, that absolutely is the weakest league in the team. Based on the way he's playing in the spring, that's not the case. So, you know, if, if Baji can find the confidence and he can get on a couple and he can start banging in goals, I mean, you know, what we talk about him hoping he'll score 10 well, that's one every three games. That's not a very good rate. I mean, a good striker is one every two, right? So oh, yeah. it's so you know that's when you're talking about fifteen to twenty goals in this league, not ten. So it's you know we have we don't have the high expectations in the world for him, and we expect other people to score, which so far they're doing in two games. But you know, I, it definitely is the weak spot in the field. I, I, if this was the middle of the season. Right now, I think Ferreira would have done enough in these two games to get a start. I don't think at the beginning of the season that that's going to happen because a guy like Baji, who's been the guy all spring, deserves maybe a five- or six-game run at the start of the season before you start talking about replacing him. But Jesus Ferreira is playing fantastically. He's got to be close to be being in the mind of the, of the, of the gaffer, in, in the mind of Lucci. To be thinking, who maybe I'll maybe I'll get him in there for a game and see how it goes, you know. But uh, I think you got to give Baji a few more at the start of the year. I mean, All right, two games is a lot, not much. Yeah, so let's at least address this because I'm sure people listening to the podcast are uh, wondering this question at least in a high percentage of what is the status of Cobra? Who I I don't I still don't know the answer to this question. Did he play in the North Texas game after? words or not and and is there any truth to the reports we saw from uh some readers that said that he's telling people he's injured well apparently he's told somebody he's injured he did not play in the north texas the second north texas game he played in the first one he didn't play in the second one um so i i don't know i mean for me the bottom line is just he's not good enough but you know maybe he's being limited in his mobility from the injury i mean if that's true okay He's not on the injured list. You know, he's not showing up as being hurt. You know, he's not doing rehab assignments. He's just training. So I, I don't uh, I, I don't know that I buy that. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I guess we could hope that's the case. I mean, you'd hate to think that he's just not good enough is depressing. All right. So well, right now he's getting beaten out by an 18-year-old kid. All right, Dan, I'm just wondering, as you've been uh, digging around in your uh uh, soccer, uh, soccer dark web circles. If you've read anything that may give us some evidence as to what really is going on with the cobra, not even sure what that would imply. Soccer dark web circles. Uh, no, um, just yeah, think really know the same as you. Just think the MLS Reddit subpage uh, times a hundred. That's what I imagine you uh, you know you float around in on the interwebs. 
Is that a comment section of every MLS article I write in what is what you're saying? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so the troops take their first road game this week, and they have to go to uh, Columbus, who have the same record, but I think that it's fair to say that uh, they're floating in a, at, a, at a higher level right now. Uh, they started the season on the road tying, uh, uh, tying the Red Bulls 1-1 uh, in New Jersey. And then they came back to Columbus and faced uh, the same New England Revolution that Dallas uh, tied at home and beat them 2-0. Uh, this is going to be a much different and more, uh, more telling test uh, for the Huntsman this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, I think Columbus is a fairly well-coached team. They're certainly outstanding defensive team, at least they were under Bearhalter, and I can't imagine that that has changed all that much under their uh, new coach. So it's not – this is going to be a pretty solid, pretty veteran, pretty experienced team, and they got a guy up front who does score. So uh, this is a big test on the road in MLS against a team that's as good as the crew is. This is a different caliber of opponent than the teams they've played to this point, for sure. Yeah, you haven't faced anyone so far with even a decent attacker present. I mean, Teal Bunbridge, uh, yeah, Teal Bunbridge, kind of your best so far, and not that good. Um, facing Zardes and uh, Higuain, it's going to be a pretty tall order. Um, yeah, Columbus are unbeaten their last nine at home, granted. Eight of those were with uh, Burhalter and not uh, Porter, but well, we know what Caleb Porter can do on a good day. Am I? Um, I don't know if anybody's watched enough of the crew yet so far, but my sense is is that Porter's playing um, uh, with a pair of holding mids. They're playing more of a kind of a four-two-three-one, and I wonder yeah. if that five-man midfield is is going to pose problems for Dallas. Um, you know, with only three in the midfield, uh, and are they going to be fast enough to uh, and be able to pass out of the back uh, to to find the three guys in the front? I really wonder if uh, the uh, Lucci's four three three is really going to be put to the test here. It probably depends on how high their wings are playing. You know, if the, if their two wings are are sort of deeper, you know, with uh, Trap and whoever else is in the middle there. Um, you know, then you're looking at like a like a flatter kind of shape, and then it really is kind of an overload. But if you're looking at like, if it's more like the way Dallas plays, where the high wings are up on the side of Zardes, and Iguain is playing as a ten, he's getting up into that hole a lot. You might end up with Dallas having more numbers in the field, in the middle of the field, and that's one of Lucci's trademarks that we've written about for Lucci Ball is the way they overwhelm people with numbers. The whole thing is fluid and shifting. So the idea is to always get more numbers. So it's going to be interesting to watch how that midfield plays out. You know, it's not necessarily super even. I mean, Dallas is a high, high possession team this year. We've seen that clearly. They're, you know, over 62% on the season. And Columbus is under 60%. They're more down like 58% of the season. So will that hold up on the road? Both teams kind of like to possess it. So it's like it's going to be a battle of two teams trying to possess it could be interesting it would be a little more of a chess match maybe a little more slower paced game because this is not a countering dallas team columbus sure isn't a countering team not not fast anyway um so it'll be interesting it'd be uh it'd be interesting to see you know which columbus kind of shows up they've uh they haven't really cemented their identity under porter yet i think uh when they played the red bulls you know they played more like uh it was more of a 
a high four one four one against New England. They won two one. I mean, they honestly they just like Dallas. They got bogged back by New England packing the midfield up. And uh, when you go back and look at like average position and and everything, they only ever had. Uh, Zardes was ever so slightly in in the New England half. Other than that, everyone was kind of very central, very reserved. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see kind of you know how how Porter intends to react to the four three three. Uh, we're looking at a windy day, sunny in the 40s in Columbus. So weather, uh, other than the wind, uh, may not be too much of an issue. I'm going to uh, suspect, Buzz, that your anticipation is uh, a lineup uh, uh, that is without uh, Reggie. I, th- I think it's fair to say it's unlikely yeah. Reggie starts, uh, but everything else will probably remain the same uh, as it started against L.A., right? Well, my, my assumption is that, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, that like when you're going to go on the road at Columbus, if you t- if you play a guy who's questionable, if if 20 minutes into the game he pulls up, then yeah, I got to burn a sub on the road like 20 minutes into the game. So that's what you don't want to. That's what you want to avoid. So my guess is is that Re- they'll hold Reggie out for this game, in which case Hollingshead goes to right back and Pedroso comes on at left back. Other than that, I can't imagine you changing anything yet. I, like I said, I don't think it's time to pull Baji yet. I think otherwise it'll be exactly the same as it was last game. Even if Hayes was healthy, which I don't think he officially is, he's officially still listed as out for what that's worth. So I, I don't know why when you play as good as you get against L.A., even though we've talked about how they're not the greatest team in the world, you still don't change anything when you play that good other than what you're forced to change, which is – I think Reggie to be conservative on the road against a pretty good team. And uh, just to preview a little bit, and we'll obviously talk a lot more about this next week, but, um, and not to look past the Columbus game, but things transpired this week that actually make the following game, the home game against Colorado, seem really interesting uh, simply because. Uh, Dallas has an interesting situation uh, in that they got a bunch of call-ups that may force Lucci to throw out a really insanely young starting lineup on the 23rd against the Rapids. Well, Acosta got called up for sure. Uh, not for sure. Sorry. Grezzo got called up for sure. Acosta, we assume, is going to get called up any minute. I, I can't imagine he's not getting called up, uh, which leaves you a little depleted. Now, the good news today was that uh, Paxton, Cervania, and Ferreira all got left out of the March U-20 camp. Now, my guess is that was maybe a holdback from Dallas or because uh, this camp isn't the we're going to the World Cup camp. This is like the camp before that. So it's, it's, it's kind of a couple of guys that Ramos hasn't had yet. And certainly you wouldn't think that Paxton and Cervania would go from starting the U-20 Worlds with Cervania being best 11 and Paxton arguably could have been in there too. Uh, you don't go from that to out of the squad. I mean, you might go from that to depth maybe, but you wouldn't go out of the squad. So anyway, those guys are staying, which will help keep uh, Paxton in there. But you're definitely going to be missing Grezzo for sure, and you're 90, 90, 95% going to miss Acosta. So you're looking at Cervania and Cirillo in there with Paxton uh, against Colorado. That's going to be fun. We saw that Thomas Roberts traveled with the team to Columbus. Is there uh, any chance or hope that he actually gets time this weekend, uh, potentially is maybe you know trying to get his uh, feet wet for more time against Colorado because of the maybe. missing pieces? 
maybe they always travel 19 though. They always take that extra guy and cause just in case. And that might be the case whether Reggie traveled or not. We don't know. Paxton's oh, not Paxton. Excuse me. Roberts has been the 19th guy at home. The first two games. Um, I think it was both games that I have to actually check that now that I say that. So he might be that guy or maybe you're right. I, I, I love to see him get some minutes. I think that's why they put Cirillo in the other day, you know, and maybe it's a good idea to get Cervania and Roberts both into this game. If you can, you know, just with the idea that you're going to be missing two of your starting midfielders in the next game. So that's a really good question. And, and unfortunately, the only way to know the answer is to see what they do. Well, you know? yep. Look at me. I'm already all. I'm already past the whole Paxton hype and ready to uh, rev yeah, up the Thompson Thomas Robert hype machine. Um, well, you don't need a hype machine for that kid. He's legit. But you know, he's not even where Paxton is. The kid's not even played a game yet. You know, I mean, Paxton's way more experienced than Thomas Roberts. I know, but you have said, I think, even on this podcast, yeah. that you think he actually has the higher upside of the two players long term. He, he does, but he's two, three years younger. Yeah. So, you know, I like if you're talking about winning a game next week, it's Paxton all the way. Ten years from now, I think Roberts will be the guy you, you that's been in Europe the whole time. But that's just my opinion watching him play. That doesn't mean that actually is going to happen, of course. Okay, some other notes. Um, I, uh, by pure coincidence, got a couple of reports that an incident happened in the warm-ups prior to the L.A. game. Uh, as we all know, nowadays, Dallas warms up uh, against the Hall of Fame end of the stadium, the south side, where the blue seats are. And the story I've been told by a couple of people is that there were fans behind the goal and the team was taking practice shots and somebody lasered a shot into the stands and a young girl, approximately 11 to 13-year-old, uh, stuck her hand, her arms out to block the shot before it hit her in the head. And apparently the shot was so uh, hit with such force and just perfectly against her arm that it snapped her arm. And they had to call an ambulance down and take her out. I've not gotten any kind of response from the club about this. I'm wondering if anybody uh, that's listening to the podcast uh, witnessed it themselves or even better yet knows the family. Uh, We'd love to get an update on her condition and what transpired there because I've never heard that happening. Uh, Somebody getting injured at a soccer game getting hit by a ball like that. Uh, and it's a it's an interesting side story that I'd, I'd love to get more on if anybody listening to the podcast uh, can DM me or buzz. The other big story that happened today that I just couldn't stop laughing at because of the photos that resulted for it was the uh, way too obvious and way too hilarious and very embarrassing result of what is happening with Enter Miami announcing that they are going to rebuild on the Lockhart site to quote-unquote play a couple of years uh, at the old Fusion, uh, Miami Fusion location, until they can uh, uh, get their building and stadium situation settled and put up in Miami proper. Uh, Is there any chance whatsoever that uh, David Beckham's team is actually playing in Miami proper anywhere before the year 2025. They, they talked about how this is going to be their academy and they're going to put a USL or some kind of development team in this facility long run. So it's a multi-stage kind of project. And that's a great venue. And it'll be a great facility for them, for their academy and for their training center and all that stuff. You know, the the real the hard part for Beckham, and we, we should have always known this. I certainly have been saying this, that it's going to be really, really difficult for him to get something built in Miami. It just is. That's not an easy market to get all the local players together in. I certainly, for the sake of the league, I hope he can get it done. 
you know, I don't think Fort Lauderdale's great long term for that franchise. That's not that's not Inter Miami. That's not what Beckham's selling. So I, you know, hopefully he can get it done. I don't think twenty twenty. I think it's before twenty twenty five. Well, they don't start playing until twenty twenty, and I can't foresee them getting a deal negotiated and something built out that quickly in Miami. I just I but. Uh, uh, you know what? I'll let the official Brit of the podcast uh, decipher the look on David Beckham's face while he stood in front of what appeared to be a facility that actually lo- looks worse than Moss Park, <laughs> which is the old Lockhart Stadium. So you're saying that wasn't the trailer for the new Jumanji movie? <laughs> it's not the uh, spinoff from The Walking Dead home base no uh that is the old great lockhart stadium <laughs> there's there's two things that that bex can console himself about he'll have a stadium before new york city fc and he'll have a stadium before the new england revolution all right buzz i'm gonna let you get back to uh, finalizing and crossing the t's and dotting the i's on your paxton pommy call to iax sale that you have negotiated and yes uh, and and executed and dan i'm gonna let you get back to your fluffy cat sender thank you (laughs) low-key dan my favorite thing about the pod um all right everybody thanks for listening and we will talk to you next week on third degree the podcast